you spell reward, not R-E-W-A-R-D, if you spell it R-I-S-K, that's better. How do you spell reward? R-I-S-K. That spells reward? Yeah. Yep. If you can't spell that, you definitely can't spell reward. It's easy to get lost in today's music industry with constantly changing technology and where anyone with a computer can release their own music. But I'm going to share with you why this is the best time to be an independent musician and it's only getting better. If you have high quality music, but you just don't know the best way to promote yourself so that you can reach the right people and generate a sustainable income with your music, we're going to show you the best strategies that we're using right now to reach millions of new listeners every month without spending 10 hours a day on social media. We're creating a revolution in today's music industry, and this is your invitation to join me. I'm your host, Michael Walker. All right, so I'm really excited to be here today with Brett Manning, who is a vocal coach and a singer. He's trained many well-known music artists, including Taylor Swift, Haley Williams, Keith Urban, Leona Lewis, Luke Bryan, Lauren Mayberry, Miley Cyrus. So I'm sure you haven't heard of any of those people. Um, you have total, total no names. I'm obviously kidding. That's insane how many um, artists like... Yeah. Um, and so, and so he's, he's also coached several Grammy and CMA award winners, Broadway casts, and, you know, having such a depth of experience around singing and, and vocal coaching, I thought that it would be great to have him on here to be able to share some of his best tips and, and lessons for overcoming challenges when it comes to singing. And, you know, as, as a musician, the voice is like such a critical elements of your songs if if you know you have lyrics and whatnot so i think it's something that all of us as musicians have a core skill that we can develop so brett thanks so much for taking the time to be here today man thanks for having uh having me on and you, you've always been a a great friend and a great colleague and i love what you do i think that anybody who is part of what you're doing is not only getting an educated edge against their competition but is also getting a, a loving person who really truly cares about the individual. Because I've seen people in your position over and over, and what they do is a lot of time they get your money and then they go buy, thank you for the money, and then they little meter out a little bit and they just keep stringing you along. And you've never been that type of person. And I really appreciate that you have character and integrity because you really care. Thank you, man. That that really means a lot. Um, you know, you're so. So I remember listening to Singing Success uh, with my band Paradise Fierce and doing the vocal lessons and being in the group. Yeah. So it's kind of funny. Like if I, if you would have told me that um, a few years later I'd be like having conversation, you would have said those nice things about me. I, my mind would have been completely blown. <laughs> so let's uh, let's dive in. So first of all, I'll, I'll, for anyone who is listening to this right now who hasn't met you before, hasn't heard your story, I'd love if you could just give a quick introduction to who you are and kind of how you got uh, started down this path. Well, when I was nine, ten years, nine years old, my father died. He was, he was shot in a deer hunting accident. And up to then, I liked music, but my dad was real tough and you don't sing. You know, you're a little kid and it's not cute, be tough. And I always loved that tough athletic side. You know, I was a physical fitness freak. If I can't do, if I jump down and I can't do at least 80 to 90 push-ups, something's wrong with me. I'm always trying to improve in everything I do. Uh, and I like that physical side, but I found that you don't have to surrender that because there was a guy named Elvis Presley. <laughs> and I was nine years after my father had passed away, I was watching a movie with Elvis and I thought, this dude is cool. And the school was having a talent contest. And I tried to sing along with him. So I got his little al album, Elvis Greatest Hits. And I remember to sing, don't be cruel, do a heart that's true. And I didn't understand it was a low larynx. And 
love me tender. And I had this little vibrato. And, and then I learned to, to scream. I wasn't, didn't know anything about singing. I just was just trying to sound like this guy. And my mom had been a professional singer in Vegas. So I grew up around singing. So I'd sometimes sing and then I'd hide it. Sing and then I'd hide it because I wasn't supposed to sing. Because it wasn't tough. Mm -hmm. And so I remember hearing, hearing him saying that, you went out on the motor hound. I thought, okay, that's cool. He's got that rap. That's even tougher. So I put on a um, black leather jacket, flipped up my collar, had a t-shirt underneath, rolled up jeans and some old school Converse. And I got up there and sang that at a talent contest. And the girls were screaming their heads off. And I went, there's something to this. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Elvis wasn't stupid at all, you know? And, uh, uh, and then shortly after I became a fan of him, he, he died. He was very young, you know? It was kind of weird. And then I ended up moving uh, from where I was living in northern Utah at places called Crystal Springs. Uh, it had a hot and cold spring right next to each other, two rivers, and they flow in and make the gross brackish water. But here it was mineral water and cold water. And I would hang out between those springs and just sing when nobody could hear me, just outside. And, uh, you know, maybe I can sing. Then when I moved, I went back into the kind of the athletic thing, and my friends thought, nah, singing's not cool. You're not tough if you sing. But I would catch them singing along with the radio, and it just wasn't cool. Now it's cool. So you have to understand that I had to go through this process of feeling restricted and that, that psychological restriction caused your throat to close up. So when I first took a, a lesson, I'd say I was 14, 15 after my voice changed. Yeah, 15, 16, because I took some lessons with a lady named Evelyn Harris. And she was in the classical world. At, uh, she passed away, says so she's classical world over at Weaver State College and she was very, very strict. So it was breathe here and do a thousand things. And she, she works for some people. She does. But for me, my throat was hurting. I was going, and the reason you do ka is to get rid of the nasality. So I can use her stuff, but you don't do that with everybody. If a person's talking right here, they're not need, and they might hear, then ka, 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 will undo that. So it wasn't diagnostic as, as much as it was systematic. The systematic training disengaged all the other learning processes that I needed to know that you've learned from my singing success program. Nay, 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 makes you nasal, mum, 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 makes you balance, gug, 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 gets you out of the nasal, and shows preference to your head as a resonator. Because when it's like, yeah, mm, 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 I've closed off my mouth. All the resonances in there, good, good. I hear, ma, ma, more point, nay, nay, is even more forward and brassy. Well, as you hear from all the singers when we listen to the radio, there's a place for every type of voice. The personality and character of the voice should be encouraged, not discouraged. But for me, it was cutting out, and I was, I'm trying to sing right here. And I remember trying to sing, um, lie beside you here in the dark, feeling your heart beat with mine. My throat was so sore. And then she stopped. She goes, oh, journey. Steve Perry is not a good singer. Oh, my gosh. And she goes, and this song is so immoral. Lying beside you here in the dark. Um, he kind of wrote it to his wife. So he ain't scamming around on the road. 
And then he says, I'm forever yours, faithfully. I can't wait to get home. Being on the road ain't easy on this love affair. Two strangers learn to fall in love again. I get the joy of rediscovering you. I'm forever yours, faithfully. And she just didn't listen to me. And I was like, I don't want to sing anymore. It hurts my throat every time I go. I still have a break. And I'm never going to get through this break. Now, I'll say, she helped some people get through the break. She did. Some guys connected with her because their type of voice. So sometimes not every... I'd heard at this point, not every teacher fits every voice. So when I got, went to college, years later, I went to college, and uh, I started trying to sing a little bit, and I liked Prince a lot. I always liked Prince. I played a little bit, you know. So I have a poster of him up on my wall back there, <laughs> sticking his tongue out. Elvis Presley and Bono, my three biggest influences. And um, what ended up happened is, uh, so, I'm, so I'm trying to sing a little Bono. He squeezes and pushes, and I couldn't figure out how to get through there. Prince is easy because it don't have to be beautiful. I'd just be up there, you know? And they just want your extra time and your kiss. And it drops in the chest. Okay, well, that's easy now. Uh, Never meant to cause you when it's sound wrong. Right there. I thought, that's easy. Uh, uh, so he'd stay in chest here. But Prince had a mix, but I could never get to his mix notes. But I would like the song where he's saying only in chest or only in falsetto. And so when I try to get through that bridge, I'd go, I couldn't really quite do it. In college, I ended up by accident becoming a dance major. Don't ask me how. I was a hip hop dancer. I taught break dancing out of college, out of high school because I got caught the trend when it first began. Um, I was making 100 an hour teaching break dancing. I only taught three hours a week. That was a lot of money then. <laughs> that was like making 1,000 a week in high school. So not bad. Uh, so because I, I just made that transition from, from break dancing to hip hop, then ballet, jazz, modern dance, and modern hip hop in college. And they needed dancers. And so it was a very easy direction for me to go. And a musical theater instructor, my beloved mentor, who only passed away a year ago, he was like 90-something. His name was James Prigmore. He wrote film scores in Hollywood for 15 years. He did Starsky and Hutch, Love Boat, Fantasy Island, all those old shows, you know, from back in the day. Tons of others, if I start to think about it. And he was a brilliant composer, played at the level of Rachmaninoff, and I kid you not, looked exactly like Santa Claus. He had curly hair, bald spot on the top, octagon glasses, and wore coveralls. If they, <laughs> as a matter of fact, like every Christmas, children would walk up to him, and the mom says, I'm sorry, he thinks you're Santa Claus. And he'd be jovial guy and laugh. He could shred the piano like nobody had ever seen. So I started doing some piano with him, and he said, I think you can sing. And I said, well, I got to tell you, recently I went back to church. I haven't gone to church for a long time. And I just go on and find God. So I wandered into this church randomly. And I heard these people singing this song called We Exalty. It was very simple. So I'm singing this song. I'm trying to remember about the key it was. It was comfortable. It wasn't high. And a girl turned around. She's just crying. She goes, you have a pretty voice. Really? I've always tried to sing. And up till now, I felt like I could sing. So this girl, that I'll never see again, some young girl, you turn around crying, Mick gave, gave me that little bit of courage. Maybe I can sing. And this guy said, I think you can sing. And so he played Day by Day from Godspell. Um, and I'm just singing, day by day, we go day by day. And he goes, you have a musical theater voice. Said, really? And he said, yeah, just very natural. I said, oh, oh, well, okay. I can set you up with this teacher. This teacher happened to be roughly an associate 
of my mentor that you've heard me talk about before in the program, Seth Riggs, the, the brilliant, greatest vocal coach who's ever lived, if you have to pick one. you know, Somebody said that about me in Italy, and I said, I won't allow that because Seth, <laughs> you can put me in a conversation if you'd like, but you know, put me in a group of 30 or 50 guys that I like, but Seth is the greatest of all time. Well, this associate of his came and started working with me and had some things right and some things wrong. It's very interesting. I got better and worse. Some things that I figured out on my own, I couldn't do anymore. And he had a lot of the most relaxed pushing I could, I could ever find. And Seth says, no, 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 no. You have to split your resonance. You're going into the hard pilot. You're going, Go into the hard palate. It has to go behind the soft palate. And I went, oh, that's your mix. You got to go up behind the soft palate, split the resonance half in the mouth, half in the mouth, half in the head. I went, huh, huh, really? And suddenly the lights came on. And that wasn't until I was 25. I didn't start college until I was 21. I had three really rebellious years which will come out in my book someday. <laughs> really crazy. If I told you the stories, you'd be like, you're lying. This sounds crazy. So anyway, I, I went off with this coach and I worked for three years, sometimes twice a week. Some things were really good. Some things were really bad. Some things that I implement today that really work, but, I've, but the three years of bad training have stuck with me, meaning the ha bad habits were hard to undo even after working with, Seth Riggs, he'd get me into it, but my default was just yell. And I, uh, you know, and I found out other problems. It deviated septum. It's hard to breathe at night sometimes. I, I don't breathe through my nose. I breathe through my mouth. It dries your throat out. So I have really bad morning voice. I just have to really deal with that. Probably not going to get a deviated septum surgery. I don't want to get my nose smashed and re reconstruct. Probably should, but I'd stop her. I think it might affect my sound. There's a certain quality of my sound that I like that I don't want to mess with. So I went on to actually move out to LA and study with Seth. I went back and forth between my old coach and Seth and it was confusing. I, out of loyalty, instead of being loyal to my voice, I was loyal to a man who was not really helping me because I loved my coach. And then I went to see Seth and he said, you can't do this anymore. And I said, he said, well, let me hear one of your lessons. And he said, oh, this is crap. This is not what I teach. And I go, oh no, I'm getting my coach in trouble. I felt like a schmuck. And then he said, why don't you learn to teach my stuff? Because I had a couple of friends with me. I said, well, I've been just showing him stuff. He said, sounds like you, you've been teaching him. He's doing the technique better than you are. And he said, you ever had lessons? He goes, no, just, just him. What does he do with you? And he explained, he goes, well, you're going right up to high C effortless. And he goes, yeah, I was straining and he gave me these exercises and it helped me. He said, you need to teach. He said, well, I'm not sure if I'm qualified. He said, you know what? Your students will qualify you. He said, you're doing a great job. Do you bring people out here with you for your lessons? Yeah, well, they're just my buddies. And he goes, we'll start charging them. Well, they gave me a, gave me a little extra money. And so I, when I started out, I just a handful of students. And then some cat at church told me, brother, have some faith. Quit your other job. And I just got married. I was 25. So quit your job. I was a waiter, a little coaching, and I was uh, delivering pizzas. And uh, so I quit all that. And I went immediately into full-time coaching. I went from eight students to 30 in a month. And back then, that was a lot of money 
it now makes a lot of money too. <laughs> but even then for the economy, the way it was, my rent at my place, if you can believe it, this is back in like 91, when I got married, 91, 92, my rent was only 265 a month for a duplex, a three bedroom duplex. So uh, we moved out of that into a 750 a month house with 3000 square feet. Can you believe it? And it was in the, uh, the not the avenues, they call it the, I don't remember what it's, it's by the college, but it's all named after like Princeton Avenue, Harvard. So I lived on Harvard Avenue. It was like, if you lived there, you're, it's old money place, kind of like Bellevue out here. It wasn't a huge house, but it was way bigger than anything I was used to. And then after a while, going back and forth, I got to go study with Seth. So I sold everything I owned. I amassed a lot of furniture and beautiful grand piano. I sold my piano, everything, and lived in a trailer home, like a uh, fifth wheel trailer, kind of like an RV home that my parents had at Disneyland Campground, happiest place on earth. And uh, studied with Seth, and all I did was music for six months, and then moved back to Utah to teach, taught there for two years, wrote uh, my program, Singing Success, well, longer than two years, taught there for, because uh, I taught, moved there for six months, and taught a few more years, I moved back there in 93, yeah, 93, and then I taught till 98, nine, in 1998, I released Singing Success. Because by the time I really seen success, I had 130 students who wanted to see me every week. And that's with having a couple of associates that I built in Utah. And I became one of Seth's master associates, so I was training teachers for him. By the time I left, I, I had to come here and start all over. Nobody knew who I was. And the funny thing is, is that I was, I was teaching. I, went, I remember going from teaching 40 and 50 hours a week while producing the program, working only at night and sleeping five hours a night for a year. You know, some weekends I'd sleep in Saturday, Sunday, catch up, sleep, but work my butt off. And I had one of those digital workstations where you have to scroll through and, go, tick, 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 and then go find the place and set a parameter and you're going to delete. Now you go click. So that little click took me three minutes. <laughs> and I had to do all these edits myself. So I stay up all night long doing these edits on my program. And then some other guy mixed it in this Roland uh, 8880s or whatever it's called, um, digital workstation with a little tiny screen. And you have to find, select each track and then move all the tracks over. It was a pain in the butt. So if I had Pro Tools by then, it would have done much faster. But I'm glad I had to suffer to do this. And I'll tell you, when you have to suffer something, you love it more. So the, the number one selling vocal program in the world was actually produced in a basement in Salt Lake City, Utah. And then I moved here. And then for two, three years, sales would trickle in here and there. Sometimes one a day, sometimes one a week over my singing success program. Sometimes three in a day, sometimes three in a month. And then around 2000, started consistently at one or two a day. That was good. Then I hired a guy in 2001 who was a brilliant marketing guy and strategist. And we started working together, started assembling a team. And by 2002, we were the number one selling program in the world. Mm. We were selling about 10 programs a day. It's 200 bucks. You can do a little math. You know, it was decent money. I was, I was happy with that. And we started doing even better. Uh, it just kept climbing. And I began producing other programs because I thought this was, I started with 400 pages of script and edited down to 42 to produce the first one. The second, I don't remember how many pages of script I, I started with, but I ended with the 360 program. 
I ended up with 90 pages of script for that one. So it's much more detailed and much, much greater. But yet, the simple program worked and still works and produced all these Grammy winners. But our goal was we want to outgive and outserve everybody. So in that, we have been very blessed to be able to travel. Me and my associates have traveled around the world teaching this. I've never been to South America, not once, but my associate, Jamie Wigginton, who I now refer to as my colleague, is at uh, Belmont College, a professor there. He's my first associate in Nashville. Is, uh, he travels out to South America all the time. So I was saying, so in that sense, yeah, I get to teach the whole world through my progeny, I guess you could say, for the people that work for me. So that's probably the 15 or so minute, 20 minutes or 25 minute version of a much, much longer, deeper story. It's both tortuous and yet beautiful. Mountains and valleys, too high and too low to talk about here, but someday. That's so awesome, man. Well, th- thank you for, for sharing that. And it's definitely, it's really inspiring to, to hear your story and it, you know, having a lot of conversations with people like you who have achieved something to be really proud of and like a lot of success, the number one vocal coaching program in the world. And it seems like there's these common patterns that I started to like notice over and over again. And so a few things that really stuck out about your story, which was really like the main, the main thing driving you was this, this focus on serving at the highest level and providing value and blessing other people. And it seems like that is something that all I see reflected in, in all of my mentors, the most successful people is that that's like a core value is they're thinking the question that they're asking themselves constantly is how can I, how can I serve at the highest level? And, you know, whatever that means for you, whether it's, um, whether it's faith, faith in, in God and the Bible or in a higher power or the universe, like if you're focused on how can I serve at the highest level, it seems like beautiful things happen and you're able to really make a big impact on other people. And another thing that really stuck out about, about your story was how like your process really started with honing your craft and coaching other people and becoming really, really good and working directly like, and like working very long hours and you know, working your butt off in order to hone your skills. And then you started creating this, this program and you started to, you know, at the point that you just couldn't keep up with the demand, you started creating this program to be able to, to share all the lessons that you had learned. And then it was like, you know, even having this, this amazing program that at this point now has changed so many lives. And, you know, I've, the singers like Taylor Swift, Haley Williams, Keith Urban, Miley Cyrus, you know, who are, who have taken the training, even considering that you had this gem, like the first year or so that you had released it, you was getting, a, you know, a sale a week, or, you know, sometimes it was kind of off and on. But then when you connected with um, some of the marketing side of things in terms of like, you're taking this gem and actually putting it in front of people, that's really where like the the dial got turned up and you started really like getting a, a huge amount of impact. And I think that's also reflected, and I see it a lot with musicians too, who have amazing you know, talent, they've honed their craft, it's incredible, but nowadays it's like, if that's all you have, then you know, it can still be a challenge to be successful unless you know how to promote it successfully. But that's, it's still like you need, that's the foundation is like you need to hone your craft. You need to have that super valuable thing that you, that you can offer. So I, I really appreciate you, you sharing your story. And I personally have, I think it's super inspiring. And I hope if, if you do write an autobiography or book someday, I'd love to, to hear all about the, the mountains and the valleys and, and the entire journey. So one thing I wanted to, uh, to ask you 
you know, for anyone who's listening to this right now, I know like at, at this point you've worked with so many singers, both directly and then through your entire team. And, and I'm sure that the, a lot of the same questions, a lot of the same challenges or, or um, struggles come up over and over again with, with uh, singers. So I would love to, to hear from you, like, what are some of the biggest patterns that you see or the biggest challenges that uh, you see singers struggling with when they first get started? It's just such a great question because one of the first questions that happens if a person's had a lot of experience in academia is that they, uh, they are going to ask the question, do I need to read music? No. Kids don't read music. Kids don't read before they talk. So uh, I, I got in a debate with a really, really great piano teacher about saying, I think to make a person read before they can play. She goes, no, 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 no. You need to read because you learned. And, and I, fundamentally agree with her now in only in the sense that I watched her teach my kids and they don't read a, a note of music. She just gave them the hands to do it. Like, here's how to play this piece. Mm-hmm. So my, my, I mean, my son looks up this music and he's acting like he's reading. He's going, that one Bach piece and he plays it all the way through. He did it when he was still, I think 12 before, no, maybe he's 13 years old. I put on Facebook and he's got a little hat and you see more. He plays and he goes, thank you, Lord. Because every time he'd film it, he'd make one mistake and he'd yeah, get towards it and hit one bad note. It's so hard to play all those things of music. But but he now he plays it with his eyes closed and he plays it by feel. Mm-hmm. So essentially she does agree with me. That yeah, you you first you just play. She says you set your hands free. She says this exercise that you set your hands free. And I'm like that's that's why I like the way you teach. And I send everybody to her. She's three time world champion. They did a, a special on P- PBS on how to play Chopin or how Chopin is supposed to be played and brought her in to play it. So that shows wow. something. She she plays like she sold her soul. It ain't real, you know. And she's grew up in Europe and you know and and she went through a lot of suffering to be able to play like she does it wasn't easy and so same thing for me it's like for this you come at this with a a bunch of presuppositions one do i need to read music number two do i need to be musical well you're already musical if you can speak with any inflection whatsoever if you talk like this you're probably not gonna be that musical (laughs) although i know people who talk boring but if you have when you say man what is that sound outside? Well, I'm actually responding because there's a sound outside. I'm not making that up. Man, what is that sound outside? Man, what is that sound outside, man? Oh, what is that sound outside? So now we're musical, you know? You're grooving with me because that is, we speak with groove, we talk with groove. And so the methodology behind what I learned was called what they called speech level singing. And I like to even say speech level and speech like singing, because as you know, from using my program, especially the newer, the 361, where I really go painstakingly through this articulation tour is that it's your consonants that actually make you interesting. You have to sing with vowels because words are vowels and consonants. But if you only sing with vowels, you're boring. You're singing a scale. Ah, nobody's going to pay you to watch you do that. So when you learn to speak your lyrics with the coolness of like Coldplay, I mean, that guy can sing in one octave and 
wrap you in because he crunches on every single word. And you look at all the best commercial singers, they knew how to shape their words. They didn't have what I call Talladega Night Syndrome. You know, they're you know, remember that movie, if anybody hasn't seen it, Will Ferrell just took second place in this race that he wasn't even supposed to be in. He jumped in for another driver because the other driver went to the bathroom in the middle of the race and then he's eating a chicken sandwich. Like, what are you doing? We're <laughs> doing that at pit stop. These, all these cars are going around and you're, man, you go, all right, race. And he passes everybody and takes second. He goes, the car um, ran really well. He goes, I'm sorry, I don't know what to do with my hands. And it would be good to put them down each side. He goes, um, I felt like I was on a spaceship. The interesting thing, what people don't know, maybe you haven't heard this, when drivers are up there gripping the wheel the whole time, their hands actually feel like that after. They feel like they feel it's hard to hold them down. So their hands just like naturally want to float up. So that's why he's doing that. Well, that's how people feel the Talladega Night Syndrome. I'm not sure how to shape my words. I'm not sure how to make an artistic decision or how to make the sound interesting. So one of the things that I've done is developed a methodology that connects chest and head voice. And if you're watching this and you say, ah, that's your chest voice, that's your head voice. Now, some of you might say, well, that sounds like falsetto. But falsetto is airy. If I say, ah, the airy sound is falsetto. I have a chance of connecting because this one's clear. We'll connect with E. And then the voice in between is called the middle or the mixed voice. So head voice here, E, chest voice here, E in the middle. It feels like somebody's pulling on my face. And you have a third resonator. So you have chest, you have head, and then you have something called a pharyngeal, which is the back of the throat when you go, um. Oh. So you're adding the um oh as a connector between chest, which again, in the chest here. You can feel vibration if you say, ah, and if you go, ah, you can feel the sound that's coming out your mouth. In externally, chest voice resonates against your chest. Internally, the roof of your mouth. Externally, head voice resonates at the top of your head and the back of your head. Internally, in the nasal cavity, but it's not nasal unless you add the third one, the pharyngeal, starts in the back, and projects forward, like NG. So when I say nay, 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 or mum, 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 that little bit of cry and that little whiny cry takes a place of a thousand exercises to stretch out, coordinate, and warm up the voice. And then, of course, you can, as you know, the doing that, it acts as a, a chord reset mechanism. The chords are vibrating along their entire length when you're in your chest voice. Ah, when I go in my head, they zip up. Well, in between there, they something has to change. They're stretching harder. Ooh, they flip into falsetto. Well, that's no good, unless you just want to sing falsetto all the time. And there's some great singers who flip back and forth, but you kind of, after a while, like, you're kind of lazy. You're not very heroic. You just, uh, after a while, like, I get bored of watching that. Be heroic, try something. And what it was is we found it's just inside edges need to stay together as you go up the scale but without pushing. If I go, well, the inside edges are coming together, but I'm pushing. Same note, I'm not pushing. So I can go, push. I'm not breaking and I'm not pushing. So 
learning how to keep it on the level of speech, like you're talking, very important because if you start adding outer muscles of the larynx, muscles that you can feel and your audience can see, you're in trouble already. That's the kiss of death. And this guy is guilty as anybody of using those compensatory muscles. You're com compensating for the weakness and lack of coordination and lack of developed coordination, memorized coordination that comes from doing the right technique for a long time. So 90% of what I'm doing is I'm fixing my voice all the time because bad habits and because some of the challenges I've had. I had, I'm not sure if you know this, but there was about a 12 year period where I suffered from chronic reflux and that sometimes trashes people's voice. Seth Riggs, my mentor, had a reflux. And he talks like this the whole time. You know? And he can still sing. He can get up, too. And he's 90. And he can go all the way up to... <laughs> and he does it very easily. As do I. <laughs> very easy. Most days. If I... But it's because you habituate coordination. You know, you think of preachers. The guy who has too much polish and perfection. You don't listen to him. And this guy said, and then I began to search for the wisdom in scripture. And I found that, and he's in love with the sound of his own voice. And I remember seeing this guy out in California. He's like, wow, he just speaks so well. And I'm bored. I didn't learn anything. And I remember this one guy goes, oh, gosh, I'm a schmuck. You know, I, I like, Here's the things I want to do, but I don't do them. And I'm like, I love this guy. I connect with him. So, yes, I'm always trying to improve my voice. I'm trying to find everything I can. But you know this intuitively, and everybody watching this knows this intuitively. Personality prevails. The winners consistently through, the his through history have been the person with the most interesting personality. It's when your voice is so distinctive that people get a hold of your personality, that success becomes inescapable. All you have to do then is have good production breaks on. Not even a great production. Great production helps, but we've heard, you and I have heard crappy production, but a really great song. Mm, that's so good. Yeah, that's such a great lesson. Uh, if you can't, if you can't be impersonated, if you don't, if you don't have something distinct enough to be impersonated, then you're going to struggle to be successful or at least to grow because we are for people just to remember and to, for it to stand out. So it sounds like what, what you're saying is like really the, at the core of what you've discovered is that um, one with speech level singing, you know, it's not about trying to be something that you're not and about like forcing and, and, and try, trying to like strain your voice to like, you know, to become something else. It's really about kind of peeling things back and, you know, building the articulation so that you can, you can hit higher notes. You can, you can have a more natural voice as you, as you go higher, but it's really about going deeper into what makes you you and your authenticity and that's also the thing that you know is going to help you be distinctive and to stand out yes yes and and to be allow yourself enough diversity that people don't get that bored listening to you. i'm not sure if you've ever heard my record if you haven't i'll send you the just the i think i got a you youtube and apple music if you have apple music got that link some people like this like listen to it on youtube and whatever, um, depending what you, you prefer. But if, uh, if you have an Apple Music account, which I'm guessing you do, you listen to the whole 
thing. I think it's a great record. I'm super proud of it. The one thing you'll notice is even if you only listen to a few seconds of, is that my voice changes a lot on it. It's extremely diverse. And I even did words when a person says, you sound a little like maybe there's some schizophrenia involved in here because the style goes from here all the way over to here. I said, but notice if you listen to it from front to back, it kind of, I don't want to say evolve because evolve says it goes higher. Evolve and change are not the same thing. It just changes. Some things are getting better and some things are getting worse. But if you go back and study classical music, you go back and just do the, the, the early um, 30s and 40s jazz was so amazing and, and was accessible to everybody. It wasn't chaos and jazz. It was something that everybody could listen to and still is the most romantic music in the world. And there's great music being produced right now. But so I say, don't worry about trying to evolve or devolve. Just worry about changing. Hopefully you're evolving. Hopefully you're adding more to what you were. You're getting better. But for me, when I first got to Nashville, I heard something that was a little discouraging because I was trying to play some Chopin and Bach and all this stuff. And I let go of piano for a long time. I only recently started about three years ago. And I think I've tripled my piano playing ability, no kidding, in the last two years. And it's because I sought out help. I didn't want to because I went to teach you. I'm like, okay, I get it. Play this way. But somebody who gave me a more cohesive methodology of learning. But I find that people, if you don't, if you can't change, if you can't adapt your musical style, if you still think, and this 80s rock style is your thing, well, that's cute if you're going to be in some kind of cover band. The things that are cool today are not cool a couple months from now. That's why you want to try to find a, a sound that is as timeless as possible. One of the benefits of rock is it's usually a timeless sound. Look, you know this is to be true. If Radiohead re-released High and Dry today for a culture that's never heard them, it would be relevant. It wouldn't be like, it sounds old school. Be like, this is cool. Because some stuff just lives on and on and on when you have the basics. Drum, guitar, bass, piano or keys, or some sort of keys. It just lives on and on. That's why a blues song could be done now, 10 years, 30 years ago. And it's always great. And while styles change and you have to have a little bit of what are they doing now? You, you remember in the 90s, everybody's going, right? Sonny came home with that. He said, da, da, da. Everybody does these full step jumps. There was so much of that going on, right? This, this little jumps. And then there was a period in the 90s where it was, so many people using that interval, and I still love, love that interval for some of my writing. And you start hearing that a lot of people are writing the same song. I'll give you an example. That's your melody. And I can name about 10 artists and I'm not going to do it on here because I don't want to rip people too bad because they can rip me just as easy and be right. But 
you can you've heard that's not a melody it's not well yeah it is because it's 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 mundane it's lame and if you're in the third grade and you're writing melodies like that we'll forgive you but a third grader wouldn't do that they'd have the sense to be able to follow some kind of chord structure and some kind of level of creativity that is not just you copying the, the latest popular thing. So somehow singers vocally and musically have to be able to ride ahead of the trend while saying, here's, here's some things that are trendy, the things that are cool, because there is a sound that is current. But that sound is getting crazy. Oh, I'll give you an example. We had the quick strike, that thing, right? Or ah, that, the singing like that, the craziness. And then you had the grunge, of this. And then you had the boy band with kind of a little thin boy band thing. Then another uh, response to the, the boy band was the, the, the er, her, street, street, from er, er. Everything is a pirate now. It went from pirate to the, the, the open mouth cartoon singing like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Rock. My friends, they suck. Everybody sings just like this. Wow. You don't try. I can teach you to sing like that in three lessons and it's going to die. The Seth Riggs just say great singing will outlive bad singing. So you have the er, then you had the everybody sings like this Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Rock Band. Then you have, I call it soy sauce singing. Sorry, sauce, right? Do everybody sing like this? Like cartoon character singing. Right here, sorry, sauce. And, it, and it, it freaking drives me nuts because it gets too crazy. So when my daughter was singing, and she's a great singer, phenomenal, 13 years old, sing her brains out. And honestly, her son, my son, was way ahead of his voice changed. She was like, oh, this is my chance. I can pass you now. And he still sings and plays and everything, but but she's just sort of seeing as she's demonstrated for Leona Lewis's lessons. Leona's a wow girl. And, uh, but she practices every day, two to three hours a day, every single day. I'll send you a recording after we're done. You'll be like, that's your 12 year old. So when she was 12, she just did a Lauren Daigle song rescue and slayed it. Ed Cash heard it. Who's a big Christian producer knows all these people. And it's in that band. We, the kingdom, he goes, dude, that's a little test. I said, she just shot up like this. She went from improving by about 20 to 25% every year to doubling her voice ability every three months and oh. just putting that effort. But I said, I told her, I said, you got, you need more influence. Go back to Mariah Carey where she's singing straight. When she first started, she wasn't doing too many affects. Then she started flipping into falsetto because everybody's using a lot of falsetto. She did it too much. And then suddenly she couldn't find her mix anymore. And then she started yelling and panicked and busted up her voice. Now she's, I hate saying this publicly, but she's not the singer she used to be. Still, she's the richest female singer alive. Not bad. She's just, I mean, she's done well. And at the, on the top of her game, she was considered the best singer in the world or amongst the top three, Mariah, Selene, and Whitney. But you, what you have to do is you have to be able to stay current ahead of these trends. So if someone's going, you're singing like that, don't do that. Maybe you could do it you know, instead of going, just instead of going, amazing, great, how sweet, so 
Okay, it sounds like I've got some influence, but you can't pinpoint it. And hopefully it sounds kind of modern-ish, you know? But I don't ever want anybody to necessarily be able to nail down my influences. If I tell them 10, they say, okay, do you have a little Bono influence? I hear that. Prince influence? I hear that in your falsetto. Oh, cool. I can hear all these influences, subtle. Oh, I can hear your technique too because of what you teach. So for the singers watching this, one of the biggest advice is get your voice to function, to obey you, to hit the notes you want to hear. That's not the hardest part. That's the first part. And you can't get to the hardest part without the first part. You can't worry about shooting a ball in basketball if you're a good shot, if you can't even dribble. That's why they teach dribbling before shooting. Control the ball from the ground. You can control it in the air. That's what my son does. He puts people on their back. I hate to keep bragging about my children, but I'm a full-time single father. So I'm going to, <laughs> that's it. They're my life. He puts people on his back. And he, when people leave practice, he says, oh, where are you guys going? Oh, home. He goes, my practice has started. He stays around for another hour. And he has my intensity because he, and he leads uh, on all his teams, basketball, football. He's, he, he is a worker. And he understands foundation. So he's like, I'm gonna, I want to be the best ball handler, the best shooter, and the best passer. I also want to be the best defender and the best rebounder. So he has tons of steals, tons of blocks. Nobody wants when they come up to him and he's guarding them, they pass the ball because he's gonna take it from them because he has that intensity. So in as a singer, what you want to do is you don't have to be the best singer in the world. You have to be the best you in the world. If people will sense if you got to the top of your game. And they'll appreciate it because you find a singer who may be average, but he's great at what he does or she does. And I'm just, I was almost tempted to mention somebody. I, I want to be careful. Um, but there are singers that we know. They're just kind of average, but they have so much personality and they've maxed out their voice and they're exciting. If somebody sings with a sense of adrenaline, even if it's patient, even if it's a slow ballad, there's always a sense of urgency. Like when you hear Michael Jackson saying, she's out of my life, it's a ballad, but there's a sense of urgency that crushes you. Because the scientists, we were playing earlier, uh, the Coldplay, is very patient, very almost lazy, but at the same time, extremely energetic, extremely interesting. Like I said earlier, I'd rather be dangerously interesting than technically boring. Oh, what's up, guys? So quick intermission from the podcast so I can tell you about an awesome free gift that I have for you. I wanted to share something that's not normally available to the public. They normally reserve for our $5,000 clients that we work with personally. This is a presentation called Six Steps to Explode Your Fan Base and Make a Profit with Your Music Online. And specifically, we're going to walk through how to build a paid traffic and automated funnel that's going to allow you to grow your fan base online in a system designed to get you to your first $5,000 a month with your music. We've invested over $130,000 in the past year to test out different traffic sources and different offers and really see what's working best right now for musicians. And so I think it's gonna be hugely valuable for you. And so if that's something you're interested in, in the description, there should be a little link that you can click on to go get that. 
And uh, the other thing I want to mention is, you know, if you want to do us a, a huge favor, one thing that really makes a big difference early on when you're creating a new podcast is if people click subscribe, then it basically lets the algorithm know that this is something that's new and noteworthy and that uh, people actually want to hear. And so that'll help us reach a lot more people. So if you're getting value from this and you get value from the free trainings, then if you want to do us a favor, I'd really appreciate you clicking the subscribe button. All right, let's get back to the podcast. That's so good. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're totally right. That it, it seems like there's a level of character, there's a level of presence or authenticity. And, you know, that's ultimately, it sounds like what you're saying is that that's the mastery level of singing, you know, and you can't get to that mastery level if you don't have the tool set, if you don't have like the, the basics down in terms of the techniques, right? And so that's why you start with the techniques and you just get to a point where your voice does the thing you want it to do. But then it's like, just because you can do that doesn't necessarily mean that you have character or style. So you really have to, then you have to do the real the hard work of mastery and, and figuring out what is that unique style for you and, and that character that, that can start to come out. That's right. That's right. I mean, you look at your playlists. If you look at your playlist, I'll bet one out of five has a, a technically right voice. Mm. But the other ones are just, this is just an interesting singer I like. I mean, I, I listen to singers that do things so horribly wrong that I'd be afraid to teach them. <laughs> like, I'd be afraid to fix them. Mm. Now, not very many singers like that. Most singers have some kind of foundational rightness. And what I do is I, I, I don't mess with a person's individual sound. I say, if you, I want you to become more of you. What, what I've hopefully have never been accused of, to my knowledge, is of changing a person's sound and gutting out their style. There was one lady, she said, everything looked kind of like girlish. And I said, look, get your lyrics down a little bit. It'll help you. And she goes, it's not me. Oh, okay. So she's saying, the high lyrics right here. And she did demo singing here in town. And she, um, Dixie Chicks copied her style. Because I heard the original. This is the way I sing it. And she's saying it. Just like how this, this, this demo singer sang it. And with the kind of the high lyrics and everything too. And so you become, you, you, you get as right as you can and then you make choices. Like if somebody said the best way to make a hit country song is, is record a country song and then screw it up a little bit. Mm. You know, you, you, you mess with it a little bit. You break out what everybody else has done over and over. Sam Hunt, you know? First one to really, really make country into pop music. They had a pop influence with Faith Hill and some others and Shania Twain, but it was still country. But him, it's like it's like a pop kid living in the country or a country kid living in a pop land. And he took a lot of chances. Loops, drum loops and country music, blasphemy. But it worked. I don't like drum loops in country. I feel like there's a lot of great drummers here and they should play. But I understand that it makes, it connects people. It, it merges styles and that's a smart thing. And a lot of people love it. Mm. That is, that is true. It seems like that's one thing I see coming up over and over again is that a lot of times things that go viral or things that become like the new waves of, of things that happen a lot of times are familiar 
but then they have like something unique that kind of just twists it. So it's like something everyone can relate to. And they're like, oh yeah, like I, I know what's happening here. And it's like, boom. And like, it's like, whoa, what's that? What is that thing that totally just took that thing I thought that it was going to be and kind of threw it for a loop. Um, so I, I think you're right that it seems like <laughs> that's an interesting way of putting it. Like you write a, a, a hit country song and then you, you break it a little bit, you make it different. So it kind of breaks expectations. Um, uh, I love that you said it that way because recall, I recall a conversation I had with Keith Urban, I did a co-write with him years ago, and I really shouldn't record that song and write his coattails <laughs> because I <laughs> co-written Keith. That's a good thing. But uh, we had a really great writing session. He said, man, I've been writing all week. And he said, I, like, I love what we're doing here. And it's called I Never Thought. And I was like, I never thought that I would ever see you with another guy, which is like a great hook. You know, I always thought it's going to be like this, but I never thought that I would ever see you with another guy. And I saw playing all over the neck and he was like, unbelievable. So then I was just his voice coach. So then I got the chance to see him write and see how he went all over the place on the guitar. I thought, wow, you just flow. And after that, that flow was imparted to me. I felt like I wrote quicker and faster and easier. But I told him, I says, yeah, I think when you write, the song should be able to stand alone without production. He goes, not true. Just fast, as fast as I could say it, say it. And he ended up teaching a songwriting thing for a first vocal camp I did in the year 2000. And, and some people would say that, and he'd say, no, it's not true. He goes, he goes right away, he said, a, a Bohemian Rhapsody. It ain't that special without all that. It's just like, whatever. Mama just killed a man, put a gun against his head, pulled my trigger, now he's dead, mom. So the, is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? You got in the left, then no escape from reality. But those harmonies, the barbershop harmonies, barbershop harmonies, they're not even classic, it's barbershop. And then it goes into this opera thing, this rock opera. And it goes all over the place. And he said that that song just is takes more risk and more chance than anything. And it was never number one, but it was on the charts for a very, very long time. So you spell reward, not R-E-W-A-R-D. That's the, that's the, if you spell it R-I-S-K, that's better. How do you spell reward? R-I-S-K. That spells reward? Mm -hmm. Yep. If you can't spell that, you definitely can't spell reward. Mm. Mm, that's, that's so good. I, I've never, I've never heard someone say it like that before, but that's, that's such <laughs> an important point. Yeah. Um, it does. It seems like, you know, that's, that's one of the biggest hurdles that, that we all have to overcome is, is taking risks, taking smart risks, but you know, you don't accomplish anything worthwhile without doing something that is kind of scary or something that's taking a risk to do. So, yeah, I think that's, that's a really uh, helpful fundamental lesson for, for people who are listening to this right now. Yeah. Cause people are there trying to copy somebody exactly. And if you're doing your soy sauce, you know, you heard that go eat. Great. Nobody says great. You don't sing like that. You know, if you're if you're becoming a character, uh, I, I did this when I talked about the uh, uh, Adele caricature singer. I said uh, Adele comes. I've heard that you settled, and that's how British say settle. They don't say settle anymore. Settle say settle, and the R's are different, almost like W's. Have you noticed that? And that's only changed in the last twenty years. Is the way they talk. Just like Americans talk, very different than when we talked back in the 50s, we talked like this, right? Elvis, tell us about this song, song you'll be seen. They talk like this. You watch all the old 50s movies. And why, why, if you tell me that one more time, I'm going to slap you across the face. Nobody talks like that anymore. 
but they had a way of talking. And speech levels, speech patterns have changed drastically in American culture, but the same thing in British culture. So you had to go, I've heard that you settled down. And then you had some person go, I'm going to add a little more quirk to it. I've heard that you settled down. Next person go, I've heard that you settled down. They go, and you know what I'm talking about mm-hmm. because there's a guy who was on um, he was on American Idol he was from Tennessee he was like yeah this, so yeah this is my just I just really come up with my style and he starts playing guitar and he, it's your that's what he sound like and then homeboy who's just, I have such great appreciation for. Um, There's one they had, Mariah Keith Urban, and it was a very interesting thing. Mariah Keith Urban and uh, uh, Harry Connick Jr. And I love Harry Connick. I love Keith too, but uh, Keith, I kind of like it. And he goes, I, and then Harry Connick said, I don't. I don't like this at all. I don't believe you. I don't think you sound like, well, dude, that's my style. And he goes, no, you don't talk like that. Can you just sing normal? And they pass him through, and the kid made a little bit further, and then they just eventually he 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 got cut. But um, but it just he just you, you, it ain't real. It is interesting, but it ain't real. Some people are just like that. Like Brett Denon, you ever heard him, the British singer? If baby, you would send you and he has a little bit of that, but he's not like a caricature of somebody else or a caricature of himself. There are some people that just sound like the guy who, you know, is it's gonna be huge. It's gonna be the best you've ever seen. Huge. Nobody's ever seen anything like this. It's a character. It's he's a character. Whether anybody likes him or loves him or hates him, he's a character. But if you if you're not a character, you can't have that type of success. And you think of the best actors. The reason why Jim Carrey was so compelling when he came out is because his personality was enormous. And I didn't like Will Ferrell when he first came out. I thought, you're obnoxious. Over time, he won me and everybody I knew over because his personality is huge and the personality wins. And so you, it, you all have a personality out there. You just have to express yourself. There's a core of you as a tiny pearl onion. Every one of those is layers. So you build these, like when we were talking about this, you peel back to find your, your sound, but you build layers by everybody you listen to. So I say, be careful who you listen to. Mm. I love Eminem's talent, but if I listen to him too long, I get angry. His music is angry all the time. And so I can't listen to it. I can listen to it just enough to like, man, that's amazing. Okay, but that's not my steady diet. Because can you listen to a box song and think of a cuss word? You can't. <laughs> so I listen to music that is good for my soul first. And then I listen to com- commercial music. And I listen to music that is so far advanced beyond what I do that now if I'm writing a pop song and if I decide to use a classical...
And then just a simple melody along with that, a song called Sorrento that I wrote. Well, that, it's kind of smacks a little bit of Muse, but not quite, a little bit. There's a lot of Bach in there. There's a lot of Chopin in there. There's a little bit of Beethoven in there. And there's a little bit of modern pop in there. And it's, it's very simple, very simple, but it's, I wrote that chord progression because I've heard so many great things. But if you know the natural number system, you know that, right? Six, four, one, five. So six, six, it goes six, four, one, five. You know, you hear that over and over. Or one, five, six, four, one, five, up. So if there's key of C at one, five, six, four, one, That's one, five, six, four, uh, Half of what's his face, uh, Ed Sheeran's songs are one five six four or six four one five. Real simple. Mm. But that song starts with a six and a seven, diminished, and then a one, four, uh, two, five, seven. the one and then a major three so that's just i i personally think it's stunning i don't care who wrote it it's beautiful man i i love that progression oh thank you thank you well you'll hear the song soon it's going to be on my new record um but you can break out of what everybody else is doing by simply just picking random numbers off the wall look at this see those numbers right there uh two Five, six, one, and above it is H, S, and D. H is happy, S is sad, D is dramatic or diminished. So happy is major, sad is minor, D is diminished. So you got one, four, five, happy chords. Two, three, six, what I like to start with the six. Six, two, three, six, those are the sad chords, and then the Dramatic sentence, that dramatic, which is used a lot in classical and not a lot in pop. But when it's used, you're like, oh, that's nice. And it usually sounds in the, like a jazz music. We'll use a lot of diminished, they'll invert the diminished, uh, the, 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 you know, the, the, that one, Christmas time is using all these sevenths and then occasionally these diminished passing tones and that song is going to be timeless i mean that that was a first real song that guy wrote that, that did anything and every christmas we hear that on the charlie browns and we hear it on the radio that little christmas time is here sweet little song because he used chords uh, a mixture of those one four five two three six and seven Y'all people learning just a little bit of music theory will make you dangerous. A lot of uh, vocal technique will make you dangerous because you suddenly, your voice becomes plastic, moldable, shapeable, which I hope I've demonstrated a little bit of that showing different sounds today. The reason a person can impersonate somebody is because their vocal cords are able to configure in the shape that that other person is doing. Maybe getting the articulation or the accent or the dialect can be a little trickier, but if you can get a little bit of that, you can break out and you can be unique and distinct.
Mm. That's so good, man. All right. So let's go, let's, let's wrap things up. So uh, one thing I, that I want to say is just like, I feel like what you just described is such a perfect way to put a cherry on the top of this conversation, because when I'm talking with someone like you, I, I feel like who you are speaks so loudly that like the content of the conversation um, isn't as important as like literally who you are and what you're expressing. So like all of the, the ways, like all of the different um, impersonations that you've just kind of like reflected throughout the entire conversation and the, the vocal parts that you're demonstrating and sharing your story and who you are and sharing um, everything about this conversation, I feel like has just been really uh, inspiring. And I really appreciate having this conversation being here and also what you've created as a platform for singers around the world. You know, I think singing is one of those things that is so so vital it's like it's a piece of who we are and your message of anyone being able to do that if you can speak and you can and you can talk and you can have variety in how you speak then you can also sing i think is a message that's that's really inspiring and and crucial for for everyone with your whether you consider yourself a musician or not but especially if you consider yourself a musician so um brett thanks so much for taking the time to be here and for anyone who's listening to this right now and is um interested in learning more about what you offer and about singing success where can they go to uh to dig deeper with you yeah just go to the singingsuccess.com my site and uh and really the biggest bang for buck if you just need to see like how is this going to work for me you can get the singing success quick start which isn't very much i don't know or charge for it 39 or something like that dollars and it's just one really really good simple lesson and then the singing success 360 is this full system that teaches you style and technique seven step technique lessons seven style lessons an introduction to style so you understand how that works introduction to technique to understand 10 greatest difficulties of singing and the psychology of singing which are all very crucial things and each lesson takes you through totally different things. So it's like kind of like muscle confusion. You do it. You don't want to bench press every day. You bench press, and then you do pull-ups, and you do a leg day, and then an ab, and then some days you do ab and legs together, and some days you do back and thighs together, just to mix it up. So it's that type of uh, system, kind of muscle confusion, gets keep you guessing as you're working to trick your voice into finding coordinations but then this elusive mixed voice that i've taught heavily to the world uh, i wrote the only program on truly on mix called mastering your mix and i got to uh, i look up my wall here because it's i got all my programs there and i gotta remember how many i've written like a dozen or so and um we did mastering mix and then mastering vibrato and then mastering harmony which two more versions of that are coming out with the guys that co-wrote the first one with uh, Claude McKnight from Take Six. So they are uh, 10-time Grammy winners for singing harmony. So the greatest harmony group of all time. I just went to the top of the food chain to get that. So they can get all of it just for 37 a month, which is ridiculously cheap. It's usually 67 but you know if they put in your stuff, I think we, we've already – actually, I, they may not even need a code. I think we changed it on the website so they could just do it, anybody who's on here. And they can get locked in at that price. So it's kind of like Netflix for the voice, but it's like a university. So you get everything you want and you can go down as many rabbit holes to find your voice as possible. If you need just one whole lesson on whistle voice, there's stuff for range extension. And then you get to be part of a Facebook group that has weekly warmups. And that alone, it's got about $20,000 worth of warmups on there. So, because it's weekly warmups through the last four years 
plus extra tips and question Q and A's every Friday. So, uh, and then a coach of the day answering questions. So you get more, like we talked about more service and more support. I mean, I could have just like back off and do one once a month because we have so much content, but I wanted to flood the people with content, not so they would be confused about where to start, but amused at where they could actually end up. But wow, I could just do whatever I want here and get as good as I want. I want person to have fighter swag, fighter's confidence about their voice, where like Elvis Presley was a trained fighter and he was confident as a singer because he said, I, I brought that confidence onto the stage. They go, why? Because you think you can beat everybody? He goes, no, because I've been beat a lot of times and it ain't that bad. He says, the Lord training, training to fight and training in mixed martial arts changed his mind. Um, that, that's the same thing with singing. If you learn as much as you can about your voice, you're not, I mean, my voice honestly feels pretty crappy right now. I yelled at my son's game and I knew I shouldn't do that. The rep was wrong. He didn't start the clock and the other team dribbled down. There's one second left and they dribbled down for 10 seconds. And then they started the clock as he shot. Could you imagine that? Could you, you your father, you'd be like, you, you can't do that. And everybody was screaming. I was the loudest. And, Take the 12 points off the thing. And I was yelling and I busted up my voice. So my voice feels like crap. Do I look, do I appear scared? No, I don't care. I, I can get my voice back when I want, and I can sing with what I have today. Sing with the voice you, you have today. It's one of my quotes on there. Sing with the voice you have now, and train to get the voice you want. That's awesome. Yeah, no, that's... If, if this is what your voice sounds like when it's not feeling good, then yeah, I'd, I, I wish that my voice sounded that good when I'm at my peak. <laughs> so that's definitely the proof. You got a great voice, man, so... I, I would be probably intimidated sitting next to you because you got a lot of range. Uh, you're, you're, you're being, you're being humble now, but I, but I appreciate the kind words. One thing I, I want to uh, leave with is, so we'll definitely put like the links for everything in the show notes. So anyone who's, who wants to dive deeper and wants to check out um, the different options, I, I would highly recommend like as, as a musician, you're, and as a, as a singer, your voice is the thing that is going to be front and center, right? It's what everyone hears first. And it's just in terms of a limited amount of time that you have, a limited number of amount of money that you have to invest in things, like there's not much of a better investment that you can make in terms of your music than investing in your voice. And so I would highly recommend if it's something that you're interested in developing to, to look deeper and seeing success. I personally have been through the program. It was game changing. It's really, really awesome. And you know, it's, it's not just, just me, but Taylor Swift, Haley Williams, Keith Urban, Leonard Lewis, all, all of these um, artists who have been able to um, improve their voices through through the methodology. So I would recommend checking it out. We'll put it in the show notes. And uh, Brett, you're awesome. Appreciate you being yourself and coming here and, and literally just like being like having 10 different personas that you're able to bust out on a whim is very entertaining to, to watch. It was, it was a joy and a pleasure. And uh, again, you're, you're a warm person. I can't recommend you more highly than I have already. Just anybody who's working with Michael or speaking out to the rest of y'all here, looking directly in the camera, man, you got a, a servant and a person who probably cares more about your career than you do. So keep working with him. You got a good, good ally in this difficult industry. Hey, it's Michael here. I hope that you got a ton of value out of this episode. Make sure to check out the show notes to learn more about our guest today. And if you want to support the podcast, then there's a few ways to help us grow. 
First, if you hit subscribe, then that'll make sure you don't miss a new episode. Secondly, if you share it with your friends or on your social media, tag us. That, that really helps us out. And third, uh, best of all, if you leave us an honest review, it's going to help us reach more musicians like you who want to take the music careers to the next level. The time to be a modern musician is now, and I look forward to seeing you on our next episode.